Welcome to the Pokescast. I'm Ryan Thorburn of the Casper Star Tribune covering Wyoming athletics. Trib.com for all my coverage at by underscore at Ryan underscore Thorburn if you want to follow along on Twitter. Gags, what's going on? Not too much. Just uh, trying to fight the wind and the cold over here. Imagine you're doing the same over in Laramie, but uh, just plugging along, getting trying to get ready for a bowl game and a couple uh, last non-conference basketball games for the Pokes. Uh, some big ones, but uh, it's already kind of hard to believe we're already getting to that point where it's getting near the end of the of the non-conference season. Yeah, we're recording this on Thursday, and Craig Bull was available to the media today for the first time since. After the Fresno State game, uh, he was out recruiting uh, the day the Arizona Bowl had a press conference uh, about 10 days ago or whatever it was. So some interesting, um, you know, questions that Craig was probably prepared for. The first one I asked, of course, was who's going to be playing running back at this point? Uh, Craig kept his, you know, cards pretty close to the vest, he said, and he said, you'll find out on game day. Uh just what do you make of this whole running back situation for Wyoming? Craig did note that, you know, Andrew Peasley's healthy now and the offensive line is intact and that's where the running game starts up front. So he's not, he didn't seem worried about it, but he didn't really want to go ahead and start praising, I guess, Jordan Vaughn and LJ Richardson, two unproven players until I guess they go out and do something. You know what, to, to me, Ryan, it, I, I don't know if it, you know, I mean, I guess I see what, what, what Craig's doing there, but, Look, Wyoming's run game is what it is. It's it's a power run game. It's you know, it's between the tackles. You know, sometimes they you know maybe busted outside, but whether you know they announced it was any of those two guys you just mentioned or some obscure guy none of us have ever heard of, or even someone like a Parker Christensen or something like that that you know maybe gets some carries. I, I don't know if that matters because I, I would have a hard time believing their their run game scheme is going to change a whole lot. So you know, even if they went with one of those young guys, you know, Vaughn or Richardson, you know, I guess they coaches go back and look at the high school tape, I suppose, but I don't know if that's even that would give them a fair gauge of what to expect. I would think no matter who's running the ball for Wyoming, they're going to run their run game. They're not going to change it overnight, you know, or dramatically change it overnight. So I see the little gamesmanship there, although I don't know what what good it really does when you're talking about a running back in a running in a run oriented scheme here. Yeah, another uh, topic, obviously, that came up was the passing game or lack thereof Wyoming finished the regular season 125th in passing you know Craig pretty much said yeah we have to get better but he's been saying that for years uh, I think Andrew Peasley I think there were some excuses for how he finished at Fresno obviously he was rusty coming off a concussion uh, Jaden Clemens as we know came up short against Boise State so it ended on a on a sour note but I think uh, when you have, you know, Peasley practicing and they get all these bull practices now and he's already said he's coming back. So with Peasley being all in, I think they have a chance to, I'm not saying they're going to be making a statement like Levi Williams did maybe in the potato bowl last year, which was actually mostly running the ball. But I do think there's a chance for Andrew Peasley to set a good tone for next season and one of the main reasons I say that is if you look at the passing yards allowed st stats this year, Ohio ranks 130th out of 131 FBS teams. But like I said, Wyoming's down there in terms of passing. So 
I'm sure Ohio's defense is like, okay, this is a chance for us to shut down a passing game, but that'll be interesting without Josh Cobbs to see, you know, who they're throwing to, if they have any deep targets at all. Um, just, I mean, it's a chance for new blood, I guess, but who who would that be at receiver, do you think? Well, that's a good question. I was actually just going to ask you that, Ryan. I mean, we know that, you know, Hobbs is gone. I don't, is Alex Brown back or is he out for the rest of the year? Is he, you know, he's at least a guy we've seen. That's a good question. I don't know. You know, hopefully Trayton Welch is back healthy at tight end, but whether it's Trayton Welch or O'Brien or the, the young kid, the young freshman who got some time late this season, those aren't deep threats. So, you know, as, as curious as I am, who's going to run the ball for Wyoming, I'm curious who Andrew Peasley or Jaden Clements or whoever's going to throw it to, you know, other than the tight ends that we know of, who are, who are the receivers he's going to throw to? Right. I mean, I think obviously Wyatt Whelan will be the guy he's most comfortable with. Uh, you know, if they get well, Will Pellisier back, he's, you know, pretty good receiver. But I think it would be great, if, and we don't know yet, you know, they still have weeks to go here. But if Alex Brown can come back, and we saw it one time against Colorado State, that's a guy you'd like to get some confidence, even more confidence going into the offseason, especially – with Cobbs leaving, maybe he that's the carrot he needs to to you know try to be the number one receiver next year and certainly the deep threat receiver next year. So another thing to watch, but you know, we have time to to build up to that. I want to talk something that has a lot to do with Wyoming, but not exactly to do with Wyoming. And that's Mike Leach, uh, a Cody guy, obviously was wildly successful. Um, with his air raid, changed the sport at every level with his offense. Uh, died, you know, over the weekend, um, or I guess a couple of days ago, uh, from a heart attack, a massive heart attack. You know, he I had a chance in the Pac-12 to be around him some. You know, at one point he beat Oregon four years in a row, and and Oregon was good for several of those years. You know, I went to the Oregon game, which was Washington State's only time they've ever hosted game day. You know, they're known for the flag everywhere else, but they actually got to host one because of Leach. Uh, that was the year that uh, Gardner Minshew really exploded onto the scene and and a year they also played Wyoming. But Craig had a lot to say about Leach. In fact, unprompted, he opened his presser with about a five-minute um, just remembrance of Mike Leach. You know, they, they had a long history, believe it or not, where when Leach was the OC at Oklahoma and then the head coach at Texas Tech, going against those Nebraska defenses that Craig Bull was uh, running. And then obviously they played twice Wyoming against Washington state, just uh, a one of a kind Wyoming guy who really made his imprint on football at all levels. Like I said, you know, it certainly made his imprint on football, Ryan, you're no doubt, but I, he made an imprint on just about everyone he was around. I mean, even myself on a, on a much larger, smaller scale, I'm sure you've been reading this, we grind about all the, the the Mike Leach stories out there that, you know, people's experiences. And, you know, mine was brief with him. But, you know, when Washington State came to Wyoming to play in 2018, you know, I'm working on a story kind of on him, um, you know, Wyoming guy coming back. And, you know, Ryan, you've, d- you've done this long enough. You know, you go through the sports information department. You're just you're actually just kind of hoping you can get access to the coach other than through a conference call, you know, to to do a kind of a, a profile type thing. And, you know, Washington state folks were great, but also knew how Mike was. He goes, yeah, 
you know, why don't you just, you know, here's Mike's, here's Mike's cell number. Why don't you just give him a text and you guys can coordinate this? You know, that doesn't sound like much, guys, but honestly, in this day and age, that does not happen. Sports information directors do not give you head coaches' numbers, nor do the coaches want their SIDs doing that. So he did, and I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm trying to get this done, but it's about six, seven at night, and there's nothing. And I, and I text him, and he goes, I go, Mike, you know, it's Robert Gagliardi. I'm sorry to bother you because he texted right back. I go, Robert, I'm in film set, wrapping up practice, and I got some film session. Can I call you at eight o'clock? I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'm going to be up late doing this, but I, you know, I'm like, you know, he's going to call me. He finally calls me back and we talked for probably over an hour, right? And yeah, there was interviews. I asked questions, but it was more talking. He talked about his time in Cody, he talked about his fondness of Wyoming. He talked about just a lot of things. It was like a, it was like an interview and a conversation. And this guy doesn't know me from Adam, you know? And that was one of the very cool things that I, you know, that I, I enjoyed a lot of very cool experiences in my sports journalism career. And that ranks right up there because I was just basically shooting the breeze with Mike Leach for 60, 90 minutes when he probably could have been taking a nap or crunching more film or going home to his, you know, and who knows, maybe he's walking home to his family. I like to walk around a lot. I mean, it was just, it was, it was quite cool. And it was really, you know, you're right, Ryan. He had such an impact on the game and the coaches that are in the game right now, but he had an impact on a lot of people. And I can pridefully admit that I'm one of those people he had an impact on. Yeah, I mean, he was known to call reporters from practice and they were trying to get in touch with him. Maybe like, do I need to let you go? You're at practice. He's like, oh, no, I'm fine. So <laughs> definitely not uh, a normal college football coach, which are control freaks and want to do interact with reporters. Uh, the the less time, the better. And and he was the opposite. I know he, he called John Canzano, the Oregonian columnist, a lot on his walks home or to and from uh, Washington state. And uh, you know, John was one of many that he would call. I, w- I had a front row seat at the uh, Pac-12 media day once just, you know, for the leech session. And, and I just remember him going on about eight, nine minutes about whether a hot dog was a sandwich or not. Just things <laughs> like that. You know, the media eats up obviously, but it shouldn't detract from the, f- fact that this guy's offense changed everything i mean you look at the arizona cardinals you know one of his disciples cliff kingsbury is the head coach because he runs or he knows that offense and could you know try to tailor it to kyler murray at the nfl level bill belichick picked his brain about you know going to a spread one year with brady and it's just amazing what he's done i'm sure you know, at the high school level, you see four or five wide spread out and guys throwing on fourth down and going for it and stuff like that. So really a one of a kind. I know, uh, you know, he, it really it affected me more than I thought when he when the news came out and just following it on Twitter. I was uh, I was kind of sad I didn't know him, know him I like you, just little conversations here and there. But uh just knowing that he was a Cody guy and and just a brilliant guy and and a different kind of guy that did it a different way, I, I it really affected me. Yeah, I'll admit, Ryan, it, it did me too. You know, obviously you're sad when you see anyone you know pass away, especially that young at at 61. But yeah, it had. I it was a it was a it was a it was a somber day. There, there's no doubt. And uh, 
you know, and seeing the outpouring, you know, not only did Mike Leach, it seems to me, Ryan, not only have the impact on football like he did and and is and still is and still probably always will, even going forward. I mean, Mike Leach did things his way, whether that's football, life, you know, from a lot of the things I've read from, you know, people that we all know in the business, you know, Mike Leach was his own person and he didn't care about anyone else's opinion, at least. Mike Leach, you, you saw what you got with Mike Leach. There was no act. There was no, and yeah, the goofy, you know, talk about, you know, if a hot dog's a sandwich, but those those type of conversations and cor- the quirkiness about those types of things is what made Mike Leach. You know what I mean? And that's, you know, that's just a, it's just a very, very, you could certainly say interesting person. I think he seemed like a very good guy. He experienced a lot. I mean, this is a guy that had a law degree, right? He got a law degree, didn't even use it. <laughs> he said he went into coaching and started out like making 3000 a year as a grad assistant or a volunteer coach or something like that had a law degree. I mean, he certainly took a different path in his ways of doing things. And that's, you know, just part of the uniqueness that made Mike Leach who he was. A law degree from Pepperdine. I remember when I was in high school and I, I had a pretty good idea. I was going to go to Wyoming and help my dad out with, you know, the Hathaway and all that stuff. But for fun, I have, I have, one of the schools I applied to was Pepperdine, and my dad is like, "Why Pepperdine?" I'm like, "Malibu, California." <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that, Ryan, because I did the same thing. I knew I grew up in Montana, but I didn't stay tuition at Wyoming with my dad living there, and actually some scho- academic scholarships. It was actually cheaper for me to go to school at Wyoming than it was even in state in Montana. But I applied to some schools, and I actually did apply to Pepperdine too. And they're like, "Why?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Malibu and the beach, man, you know, I don't know if I even spelled Pepperdine right on my application, but I applied, you know. <laughs> so in that way, I guess, you know, Leach lived the dream that we were thought about, like, you going. that's the only way I was going to live in Malibu, California at any point in my life, barring some sort of Powerball incident. But I just, I'm, it's wild to think about Craig Bull, who said he's had, you know, adult beverages with Leach at the Fiesta Bowl and talking can you think of two more opposite guys in terms of style of play? And, you know, Bull said that Leach, you know, being the eccentric that he is, asked before the Wyoming game here if he could speak to the Cowboys the morning of the game and give the Wyoming Cowboys a talk. Bull, of course, declined, but he said, you know, a part of him regrets that because those guys could have had a, a special moment with Leach maybe. Maybe, but yeah, how many coaches are going to go before the day of a game on the road that the the team you're playing and you're going to give them a talk? I mean, no one does that, Ryan, or at least no one used to. I don't know. I don't think anyone does that. I mean, who does that? Who even offers that in this day and age? Yeah, and I, Craig said that, you know, Leach would text and he, he really did follow the Cowboys closely, you know, even this year at Mississippi State. So uh, uh, rest in peace to Mike Leach, one of the greats. Um, I think we'll get more into the Arizona Bowl as we get closer, Robert. Um, I'm going to be heading down there, you know, for all the press conferences and all that. But uh, um, before we uh, move on to maybe some basketball talk, uh, let's not forget that you were 20 and five picking Mountain West games down the stretch. I was 15 and 10. So let's go ahead and pick uh, the first slate of Mountain West Bowl games if you'd like to. Love to, love to see if we can keep this going here. All right, Saturday, one thirty on ABC. 
the Los Angeles Bowl, the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, uh, Washington State plus three and a half versus Fresno State, the Mountain West champion. This is at uh, SoFi Stadium. As you recall, last year, Utah State was the Mountain West champion and beat a, a decent Oregon State team. This is kind of a similar matchup. I am going to go with the Bulldogs because they're so hot. And uh, I know I know Washington State is a solid team, and they're going to get up for this game too. But I, I really think Jake Hayner on ABC is going to try to make one more statement to the NFL. So I'm going to go I, Bulldogs. I like the Bulldogs here too, Ryan, based on everything you said. And also it sounds like Washington State's lost some, some assistance. I know Jake Dickert, the former Wyoming assistant, is now taking over defensive coordinator duties, and he did that at Wyoming. He's working with another former Wyoming coach, Pete Caligas. I even saw a tweet where Pete was saying it's like our old times at Wyoming. You know, um, I just think you know Washington State's had a good year, and they can they're certainly capable. Obviously, you know it seemed like in the Pac-12 this year there was a kind of group of four or five really good teams, and Washington State was just kind of on that fringe, just below them. They're good. Don't get me wrong, but they were just a, uh, maybe a play or two or a game or two away from being in that upper echelon. But I just like Fresno a lot in this one. Um, honestly, Ryan, I think Fresno is just better. You know, I'm I'm with you. I'm going with the Bulldogs in this one. Yeah, I do think they're better. I think, you know, besides that horrible start they had in September, Fresno has been a top 25 type team with Hainer. So uh, definitely Fresno State there. Also Saturday, 7.15 ESPN, the Frisco Bowl. That's Frisco, Texas, not San Francisco. I did cover a Red Box Bowl in, in San Francisco, but this is the Frisco Bowl in Texas. Uh, North Texas, plus 10.5 against Boise State. Uh, North Texas fired their head coach, uh, Seth Luttrell, I think his name is. And he had had some nice success there and, and seemed to have it going. And then all of a sudden it just went off the rails this year. So uh, I'm going to take Boise State. They have not played in an actual bowl game in a while. They had a, a bowl game canceled due to weather one year. And then, you know, they bailed out on the Barstool uh, Arizona Bowl due to COVID last year. So it's been a while for the Broncos in a bowl game. I think they – had a lot of momentum. They want to bounce back from that Mountain West championship game loss at home to Fresno. So I'm um, going Mountain West again. I'm going to, I think Boise State rolls here. I think they do too. You know, I don't, you mentioned, you know, the North Texas coach. I mean, they got into a bowl game. I don't, you know, I don't know something, you know, expectations must be awful high at North Texas for them to fire a coach. You know, maybe they, you know, you know, seven and five isn't anything to write home about, but I don't know. That just seems odd to me. You never know what that kind of ram, what kind of effect that's going to have on a team going into a bowl game like this, you know, on short notice and stuff. Yeah. And I think Boise wants to kind of maybe get the taste out of their, the bad taste out of their mouths from a home loss in the Mountain West championship game. Um, they got a new offensive coordinator, won't be part of this game, I don't believe, but I think they're going to want to go out on a good note. And I think, um, I think they will. I, I I'll, I'm going to take Boise to cover that. Yeah, and Boise State, they're on ESPN. They love that. They miss that. I'm sure they'd like to get back to that. So they're on ESPN, you know, kind of a standalone game on a Saturday night. I know there's probably an NFL uh, game going on as well, but this is late enough where I think they'll have their own window for the second half, and uh, I think they'll make the most of it. All right, we'll pick one more this week, and that will be next Tuesday, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. 
I think the best thing about this bowl is we're not there this year. Uh, (laughs) It's fine once in a while, but if you're Wyoming and Wyoming fans, you don't want to make a habit of the potato bowl and Wyoming's won it twice. So this year's lucky blue turf recipients are Eastern Michigan plus three and a half versus San Jose state. This is uh, 130 Tuesday on ESPN. And I'm going to go Eastern Michigan. I didn't like the way the Spartans finished. I don't know that they will get as excited about having potatoes dumped on their head as Craig Bull does. You know, I watched Eastern Michigan the last, you know, a couple of games late in the season, Ryan. And, you know, I kind of liked what I saw. You know, Chris Creighton's done a really good job there. They beat Wyoming twice in the in their home and home that they've played in the uh, that's a little while ago, but I kind of like them. They always just are, they're very workmanlike, you know, but they got some, they got some dudes, you know, and so does San Jose, San Jose, San Jose should win this game, you mm-hmm. know, from what we've seen, especially when San Jose beat Wyoming and Laramie midway through the season. And then I still not really sure what exactly has all gone on there, but I kind of like, I kind of like this, the, the, the Eagles in this one too. I'm not trying to copy it, but I, I, I like the, I like Eastern Michigan to cover that. Absolutely. Yeah, both coaches, including Brent Brennan, are like really solid, but just not quite winning enough to get the attention of Power Five. I know Brennan kind of did that COVID year and maybe should have maybe considered the Arizona job more seriously, but two solid group of five coaches. So I think it'll be a good game. So I'll take uh, Eastern Michigan and, and the points. All right, before I get you out of here, Robert, the Wyoming basketball team is five and five, but they feel like they're in a lot better place right now after two wins at home. Uh, The Louisiana Tech win specifically was highly impressive. They blew out what I think is one of the better teams they've played all year, and they didn't, and they made Louisiana Tech look like a bad team. I think they're actually a good team. Good sign for Wyoming. They've, Jeff Linder has pared the rotation down. Um, The crowd responded to it to his challenge. And uh, really uh, that was a, a good step forward. I would say, even though Graham EK is not back yet. You know, I think obviously the, the first step Ryan was just getting a couple of wins there. You know, it, it was obviously, we talked about the struggles they had and the struggles were, were certainly, you know, evident there, but you know, to get a couple of wins and yeah, the Louisiana tech game was, was good. And, you know, now maybe, you know, obviously we know EK's not back yet. Hopefully, you know, January, I know, you know, Jeff Linder met with you guys this week, sounded like he's still hopeful he's going to come back, but there's still maybe a little doubt. I, I don't know. I'm, we'll play that by ear. But I guess the one thing I hope for Wyoming moving forward now is now that Reynolds and Wenzel and those guys are, you know, pretty much back. I know they've been in and out too. Let's let's stick with this. Let's keep these guys healthy and stick with it. And if you want to keep going with Reynolds off the bench and some of these other guys – Whatever, Jeff, that's fine. Do whatever, do with whatever works, but just like to keep that core healthy and see if they can build some momentum after winning a couple of games at home, non-conference games at home to go on, you know, to a neutral site to play Dayton that, you know, many people thought was a top 25 team and maybe still will be, but certainly has had its rough uh, parts of this non-conference season. And then playing St. Mary's, I think St. Mary's has played just about every Mountain West school uh, so far in the non-conference. So let's see what, you know, keep these guys together and see what they can do against, uh, I don't know what you think, Ryan, maybe two of the better non-conference games on their schedule, teams on their schedule, you know, in, in Dayton and, and St. Mary's coming up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Noah Reynolds is a rising star in the Mountain West. He's scored 
75 points in his last three games. You know, the game he set out with uh, a muscle issue against Grand Canyon, they could not close that game. So I think Noah Reynolds is a key. And when he's paired up with Wenzel and they're both healthy, that really changes things for Wyoming. You saw the ball movement against Louisiana Tech was much different. It was just outstanding. Uh, I had a chance to talk to Jeremiah Oden today. That's another guy that, you know, started off really well and then uh, missed the Nichols game with uh, a concussion. And that kind of bogged him down for a while there. And he was very quiet. I think he's back too. He had some rim rocking dunks and was all over the floor, falling on the floor. When Reynolds and Wenzel can spread the floor out and help Odin attack the rim like that, uh, it's a whole different team. And, uh, you know, good sign. You know, maybe Maldo will, will return to his form. He's, you know, been back for a week or so from the concussion. Uh, like you mentioned, Dayton's a good team. But they're only six and five. They've had two guards, two starting guards missing time with injuries. I think they'll have one of them back. So, and they've played a really hard schedule as well. So, this is in Chicago, uh, where Jeremiah Odin's from, um, at the United Center, home of the Bulls. Great opportunity for Wyoming to to keep it going and and notch another quality win, which most of the Mountain West has been producing. Wyoming needs to get in on the act here. Yeah, it'd be nice to, you know, end the mountain, you know, the non-conference play on a, on a good note going into conference play coming up here in just a couple weeks. Um, yeah, you know, you know, what's done is done. I know the struggles, it's it's driven fans crazy. I'm sure it's, it's driven Jeff Linder crazy too, but what's done is done. You know, what? Well, how can Wyoming get better going in the next game? And now they have a chance for a a quality win. I, I don't know. To me, Ryan, any win's quality. You know, even against a Division two team, you just, you get wins where you can get them. Let's go on a neutral floor and see what Wyoming can do against two two teams that I would be, you know, I'll be surprised that are not going to be in the if they're not in the NCAA tournament. Even with Dayton's struggles early on, Dayton's good. You, they'll, you know, they'll probably get healthy. They'll they'll make their waves in their conference. I'll, I'll be very surprised if both those if both Dayton and St. Mary's are not in the NCAA tournament this season. Yeah, and if you're Wyoming, if you could beat one or both of those, I think you feel pretty good going into the Mountain West schedule. Just your gut. When do you think, or, I mean, you ever, have you ever covered anyone that's had, you know, a stress fracture in their foot, a big guy? I mean, you just don't know. I think that's why Linder's so vague. I mean, I think Graham could come back, you know, next week or in a month. It's hard to say with those type of injuries. I am, Ryan, and, and just from, you know, reading your stuff and, and getting, you know, I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. I would say it's later, it's more on the latter side of that four weeks in that time frame, I just don't, I don't, I don't see it. I think they're going to be, and and I'm, I'm not blaming him. You'd be extremely careful. This is a big man with a, hopefully a very bright future in this game. Um, you don't want to take, take any chances. You want to be a hundred percent sure. And then you want to double check and be a thousand percent sure that when he does come back, he's okay and everything, but big men and, and foot injuries are scary. You know, not that it isn't with anyone else, but especially with big guys, so I think he's going to err on the side of caution. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him until mid to late January. I mean, they're you know they may take the six to eight weeks. They may go closer to that eight week time frame just to be really careful with him. I, I Ryan, you've been around Jeff Linder a little bit. Well, obviously a lot more than me. I've only met met him once and didn't cover him. 
he's not, you know, Jeff Lander wants to win as much as anyone else, you know, um, maybe, maybe even more for that matter, but he is not going to put whether it's Graham EK or any of his players in physical harm to win a couple of games. Okay. So I just think with a big man in that, in those and how scary those can be and uncertain those can be, I think it's going to be mid to late January before we see Graham EK on, on the floor again, if at all. That's my just my that's morning. That's a gut feeling. That's not any inside information or anything. Yeah, you could be right. We'll see. Um, it would be nice to to see him play, but you know, I don't know where he fits in the NBA someday. Just because you know, I saw a stat the other day: the guy who is leading the NBA in post ups is averaging like four point three post ups per game, mm-hmm. and probably shoots eight you know, five, six threes a game, same guy. So it's a different sport in a lot of ways, but I think those of us that have watched Graham play understand that he's very special player, a unique player, and that somewhere he has a bright future in professional basketball. So you don't want to risk that. Uh, You want him to come back on his terms, healthy and, and, and be in the form he was last year. And that, that would really help Wyoming obviously, but if, if he, Skips the whole year. I guess you could understand that as well. If it's a, a situation where, um, you know, it would put his career in jeopardy. So we'll have to wait and see. Well, I'm really interested to see this particular lineup, you know, then now that Jeff has shortened the rotation and, and, and he has Kenny Foster in there and the guys we talked about that are healthy now uh, go against Dayton. I think it's going to be a great toss up type game. It's uh Saturday on CBS Sports Network. So uh, that'll be a fun one to to talk about next week. Uh, Robert, thanks so much for your time and uh, good luck with your picks. Not that you need them. Well, you know, hopefully we can keep it going. 15 and 10 is not bad. Ryan, either way, we're making, if we were betting real money, we're in Vegas, we're making money, man. So let's let's see if we can keep it going uh, uh, as we head into Christmas here. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you next week.